And we appreciate you tuning in today to Gesundheit with Jacobus. It is a show on breast cancer, the background of the, uh, the culture, the industry behind the pink ribbon. And we're doing that with uh, Dr. Gail Sulik. And Dr. Gail is, a, is a somebody who has done 10 years of research on this topic. And she has written this book, which is available today. Dr. Gail Sulik is a medical sociologist, an author, a public speaker, and a health advocate whose work focuses on the personal and social impact of illness on individuals, families, and communities. And her research has been recognized with a National Endowment for the Humanities Fellowship. Uh, she is an, an, an independent scholar, lives in Texas. Uh, just letting you know, uh, on the back of the book, it says, It's about time. We have been needing this book, a smart, critical, thoughtful analysis of pink ribbon culture and the damage it is doing. Thank you, Gail Sulik. It was Barbara Katz Rothman, Professor of Sociology at the City University of New York. Uh, Sandra Steingraber, who wrote the book Living Downstream, an ecologist's personal investigation of cancer in the environment, says, Gail Sulik takes us behind the pink curtain to a peculiar culture where sentimentality takes the place of scientific evidence, personal transcendence fills in for political action, and lofty platitudes replace actionable goals. Pink Ribbon Blues is the Frommel's travel guide to the country of breast cancer. And Janet Gray, Director of Program in Science, Technology and Society from Vassar College, says, In Pink Ribbon Blues, Gail Sulik has brought sociological, feminist, and media theory together for a deep and broad analysis of the consumer world of breast cancer. She has complemented all of that with a deeply humane and personal engagement with the women who are living with breast cancer in a world where the pink ribbon culture constantly needs disruption and questioning. Bravo. So there is indeed the... Uh, we haven't really discussed that yet because there is so much going on on this topic. But you, what you will find in the book are the personal stories of those who are living with breast cancer. And and Gail has dedicated this book to her dear friend Kathy Huey, who passed away at the young age of 40, 41, of breast cancer. And just to see how that developed and the talks that they had, etc. It was an inspiration for Dr. Sulik to do the research and 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 write this book. It is in uh, it is needed that we know what is going on behind the scenes. And I highly recommend this book. It is an easy read. It's a good read. It's about, the, what is it, 400 pages or something? So 377. It, it, <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, 377 it is. And I'll take your word for that, Gail. So, uh, <laughs> But go to her website, Pink Ribbon Blues. Link on some of the other organizations. And hopefully we have a chance to, num to name those organizations again. Uh, today, but link on the organization in the right column and, and look at what other organizations are doing that are against this whole pink culture that say we got to work with the meat of what is going on in uh, with breast cancer today, the, the women who are dying. The media is 
making this a almost a sexy disease for women instead of looking at the people who are really suffering from this and 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 so uh, we're going to continue with that as we talk but we do have a couple callers who would like to weigh in caller number one your name please how can we help you my name is Lassie. Hi, Lassie. And I'm in Livingston. All right. Uh, what I'm very curious about is the um, screening for the relatives, you know, to see if there are some relatives that are um, cancer-prone, if you have the cancer gene. Yes. Is that going to be the new cash cow? Hmm. Oh, because interesting. to start with, it seems like, you know, it's very, very expensive to even get the screening. But then later on, uh, it could be that it just becomes a thing like mammograms that everybody gets one, mm. which yeah. is still a big money item. Gail, what do you think about that? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, yeah, there there is definitely an... You know, the BRCA genes, um, BRCA1, BRCA2, which have been identified, um, do have an increase. For someone who has a mutation on one or, or the other of those genes, there is an increased risk of breast cancer. And so if you add that with um, family members, um, mother, grandmother, aunt, that kind of thing, there is an increased risk of, of breast cancer. But the question is then, what do you do with that? Because only 5 to, to 10%, I think I'd said earlier, of, of all cases of breast cancer, does anyone have one of those mutations? So if the majority of cancers are not resulting from that genetic history, then putting all of our efforts, putting all of the eggs then into that basket would also not benefit, the majority of people would not benefit uh, what is happening with breast ca- uh, people being diagnosed with breast cancer. So then the question becomes, if you do have one of those mutations, what do you do with it? Mm. Answer, prophylactic mastectomy, um, removal of of ovaries, decrease estrogen in your system. So that's a really huge ethical question. Um, is it uh, the next cash cow? It could be. Um, and then it also brings up other issues of when you bring in genetic profiles into the healthcare system, would that also potentially affect, could that count as a pre-existing condition for uh-huh. insurance, insurance? Yes. Right. And so that's a huge issue that could be connected with it as well. Generally, when you see the focus on genetic testing, it's by a private company. Huh. Private company with its huh. own its own bank roles and things to deal with. So that's a major ethical issue, bioethics issue. Um, it's not moved completely in that direction yet, but we're hearing more and more about it. Um, and there's definitely a, a push toward having more people get those tests. Wow. Great Is question, there a Leslie. Push toward yes. having them get the tests even, you know, at birth? Oh, there could be. There could be. Yeah. Not yet, not now, but but I certainly could see that on the path. Hmm. Okay, thank you. Well, yeah. thanks. Great call. Let's see <laughs> where we're we going from here, Gail. This is uh, maybe we I should know. talk. We should talk maybe about. Um, let's see, um, some of the organizations that are out there, such as Breast Cancer Action, the National Breast Cancer Coalition, the Breast Cancer Fund. And then you have the Think Before You Pink, which is actually an, an, an action. Uh, it's, a, it's a separate action taken by the Breast Cancer Action Organization, which is bcaction.org. But there is a quick link on your website, pinkribbonblues.org. Uh, 
check that website out, go uh, below uh, Gail's picture and scroll down to these organizations, click on them and follow what they have to say. We have a caller who would like to weigh in. Caller, good morning to you. Thanks for tuning in today. Your name, how can we help you, please? Caller, good morning. Hello? Yes, that is you. Oh, okay, very good. Thank you. Um, what is your name, please? Uh, Bertha. Bertha, thank you very much. Yes. Uh, I don't have any statistics, but I do know that people that do not have an agenda are proving that the birth control pill is very, very productive to start the breast cancer. Great point. And, of course, the powers that be would not like that piece of information around, but I've been listening to your station off and on, you know, the, and uh, I thought that was an important point to make. I think that is indeed a very important point to make. Uh, Gail, do you have any answer on that? Um, yeah, and and you know that's that's such a touchy issue as well. If you think about it is, controlling yeah. reproduction and who's in control of whose bodies and all of that, and so it is a really um, another important ethical ethical issue. Um, but you know there is a. a, a Basically, the evidence that is out there suggests that there is an increased risk of breast cancer if you have any kind of, of drugs that will increase estrogen in your body. And so there is a link. And whether or not you, can, you consider the um, extent of that, the depth of that, one of the, the big questions then becomes, well, what happens if you have something in your body that accumulates over a long period of time? Even with hormone replacement therapy, after five years, if you stop taking that drug, your risk goes back down. Um, but what happens when you have maybe, when you, maybe you, you took some estrogen drug, some birth, birth control drug for 10, 15, 20 years of your life, and then you use soy products, and then you have hormone-disrupting compounds in your cosmetics, and then you're exposed to radiation every time you walk through something and uh, get a mammogram and, and all of those other things fly, fly in a plane, and then you add you know, HRT at the end of your life. What happens after all of these cumulative exposures? And, I, and there's no good research that, that can identify that. So I, I think that's one of the big questions in terms of um, any of the, these issues in terms of the causes is, there's a there's a soup of exposure out yes. there, that, and, and and it makes it really difficult to research it because you cannot control for all of the exposure someone might have. You okay. can control for a few, um, and so you know I, I don't have a definitive answer myself on this, but it is in in that soup. Yeah, and I I, I have to say, uh, Bertha, that the information. The, the research done by Dr. John Lee, who sadly enough passed away recently, but his book, uh, What Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You About uh, Menopause, and then he wrote another book, What Your Doctor Doesn't Tell You About Premenopause, um, he talks about the issue actually being an, an imbalance between your estradiol production during, uh, during menstruating years and progesterone production, natural progesterone production, and that there is really an imbalance whereby there is not enough progesterone. But the phenomenon is called estrogen dominance. And in this culture, every time we see the word dominance, we feel there is injustice. And that therefore, when there is estrogen dominance, 
we have to somehow suppress the estrogen. And so the way the medical community is trying to do that is by giving young women when they have the PMS-related symptoms, which again is caused by progesterone deficiency, by treating it as a dominance, estrogen being a bad girl, suppressing the estrogen through birth control pills and actually putting women in a more state of, let's say, menopausal state when there is a natural reduction in estrogen, estradiol in general, women are starting to develop issues that could turn into breast cancer or in cervical cancer, uh, vaginal cancer, uh, ovarian cancer, all these female-type cancers. And so Dr. Lee, in his book, and I highly recommend people check that out, is, is talking about the lack of progesterone, which women should get tested for either through a blood test or through uh, saliva testing to find out where are your hormones really. Because we can read it in a book and say, oh, these symptoms apply to me, so this is what I must have. I still recommend that we do use Western medicine's research that they have been able to do through saliva testing and blood testing to find out where your hormone panel is based on that research and outcome. You make a decision, you make a plan how you can approach that. So, but for most people who develop the cancer, it is not that they have too much estrogen per se. It is more that they have, that they do not have enough progesterone. And then as we include in that the environmental estrogens that we're exposed to, then all of a sudden we create as again, this estrogen dominance that can trigger cancer cells because they're not balanced by enough progesterone in the body. So mm-hmm. there is definitely an hormonal connection. And hopefully I gave a good explanation on that, but uh, uh, it is an excellent question that you bring up. The birth control pills are suppressing the estrogen, but that is not the real problem behind it. So would you say it is because of birth control pills that we have more breast cancer? Um, I would say that could be, but it is also possible that the amount of estrogen in spite of the birth control pills is still too dominant so that we should actually increase progesterone in women to fight this. Uh, Well said, Jakobus. Very well said. Oh, good, good, good. Well, thank you for the call. Yes, and thank you very much. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 522-8255 is the number. 522-8255. Um, let's, let's jump on on some of these organizations that, that you really support. Um, the one that I have over here is the Breast Cancer Coalition. And they have this, uh, when you go there, they actually give you the breast cancer deadline, uh, 2020. And it says we have, they hope to find, to ha- they feel there should be able, we should be able to find a cure for breast cancer by the year 2020, January 1st. And so they have a clock ticking and it says right now, as I'm looking at it, nine years, 34 days, 13 hours, seven minutes, and six minutes and 59 seconds right now. So uh, the time is, the clock is ticking. The yeah. clock is ticking. Yes. And, you know, this this statement that came out, this, the statement by NBCC came out the end of September. And it was really, you know, there's been lots of talk about cure and the eradication of the disease for 30 years. I mean, even when the, the, the original war on cancer, you know, came out in 71 with, with Richard Nixon, there has been a, a desire to cure cancer. Yes. Um, and so there's a lot of talk about cure. There's not been a lot of movement toward cure. And so for NBCC to come and say out and say, look, if we're going to do this, let's put 
put a, a timeline on it because clearly what we're doing is not working. And if this is really the goal, we're going to need to change the status quo. So they came out and they actually stated they have given up on hope and they have given up on awareness. We have enough awareness. People know about breast cancer. People know how to be hopeful. People know how to come together and support one another. But clearly we need to do something else. And so for them to say that at a time when the pink ribbon has gained so much momentum and fundraising seems to be the only issue, um, it, it really was an important statement to make. And what they're really trying to do is change the business of breast cancer and change the status quo around it create more collaboration in research, create more basic research, and and more talking to each other. There are all of these disparate things happening around um, cancer research, breast cancer research, and, and they also very much recognize the industry. Um, they, they also call out big pharma, you know? Yes. Um, and so if we think about how much money oncology drugs make, they represent the largest share of the global drug market, and the sales are projected to grow to about 75 to $80 billion by 2012. So if those drugs are making that much money, if they are such a revenue stream, it does call into question how we are approaching this, this disease. And the majority of drugs that come out are not new compounds, and that's another piece of of this whole thing, instead of creating, you know, doing research into new areas, we are kind of reinventing the wheel totally. um, when it comes to what it is that, that is moving through um, into treatment protocols. Yes. So, and they also call out the fact that, you know, side effects and, and how it is that drugs make their way into the system need to be um, more stringent. Yes. And one of the drugs right now... Um, that actually breast cancer action has has called out is the drug Avastin, and that came onto the market with one um, study. And after it was on the market, then they found many, many problems uh, and side effects, extensive side effects that did not counterbalance the few months of, of life that might be um, added on by using the drug. So those those are issues that NBCC has called out, that breast cancer action has called out, um, and they, they are also vital forces in the breast cancer movement and, and need to be heard. Yes, that is uh, very powerful. And if I can blatantly uh, mention my article again, Mammogram Mania, whose interest is at stake, I mention that experimental and successful work is now being done in the natural alternative fields with oxygen, hydrogen peroxide, blood root, U, SEAC, stem cells, medicinal mushrooms, inositol phosphate or IP6, vitamin C, vitamin D3, natural progesterone, and others. Mammograms are mostly ineffective and potentially dangerous. They have become obsolete and stand in the way of the new wave of technologies and treatments. Promotional fundraisers should encourage integrative cancer research and should spread research dollars evenly among all therapies. With our own health at stake, we need to send our hard-earned dollars to the ones that can truly win this race to beat cancer. And, um, because, and that is the end of the quote. Because we, like you mentioned, Gail, we, are, we keep putting money into a dead horse 
because it it just it just doesn't run. It doesn't fly. It don't doesn't win. It hasn't won anything uh, because once people enter the system, the the you either the the therapy will work. But then you have that reoccurrence, that 10, 12-year window where somehow cancer is returning. And even people who say, you know what, I uh, was diagnosed early detection of cancer. I'm going to have a double mastectomy so that the other breast doesn't get affected either. And they're almost proud of it. And that is, by the way, something we haven't really touched on the whole Shiro uh, uh, concept, which I highly recommend people go to your website and check it out. But women have a double mastectomy and they still get cancer and they go like, how is this possible? So those are voices that are not really heard. I highly recommend, folks, you go to our website, Pink Ribbon Blues, look at the photo gallery when you come to pinkribbonblues.org and look at some of the images of the Shiro, the, the female hero concept that is being abused by the whole culture of pink ribbons gail thank you so very much for being my my guest and all the best to you with your book thank you Jakobus. great show thank, thank you. you appreciate it folks we're going to be back with dr robert linden next week saturday thanks for tuning in today we hope you have a wonderful weekend and talk to you in a week you're listening to gesundheit with jacobus